0: Hello, and welcome back to the New New Englanders. I'm Connor.
1: And I'm Sarah.
0: And we're here to share some of New England's best music, arts, and subcultures with you.
1: Today, we're going to be talking to Kristen Bayusik, who runs the Connecticut chapter of Bells and Chimes, a pinball club for women. But first, let's get into some news.
0: New news with the New New Englanders.
1: So I found this article on masslive.com, and... This headline reads, Northampton man who shot AK-47 style gun at neighbors said dog told him to do it, police say. (laughs) And I sat there and read that and I was like, what the fuck does that mean? (laughs) This is to say that I don't condone owning an automatic rifle or any sort of gun like that in any way. And I don't condone this man's behavior. But essentially, this is a guy who lived in an apartment building And he shot at his four neighbors in the, like, neighboring apartment uh, in his building because he claimed that they were trying to poison his dog. Thus, the dog who was supposedly being poisoned told him to shoot them. They called the police, and the police showed up, and they found a rifle loaded with a 30-round magazine and a round in the chamber. He told the cops that someone gave him the gun to hold on to and then never contacted him again, but he heard that the gun was stolen from somewhere in Maine.
2: To me, that
1: sounds like he stole the gun and just made up a story to make it sound like he didn't actually steal the gun. Also inside his apartment, so this was found on his desk, and on the computer on his desk was a live camera feed from the security camera outside of his house. So clearly this guy is paranoid, right? Yeah. they also found that he was growing weed in the apartment, which is neither here nor there, but obviously makes charges worse in any case
0: when there's guns and drugs in the same place. He seems like he set himself up for disaster. Yeah,
1: a little bit. Uh, I guess the dog was like there when this all happened, obviously, because the dog told him to do
0: it. I guess the dog was egging him on. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, right.
1: He fired 17 rounds from different areas in the apartment and 14 specifically into the neighbor's apartment and one of the people in the apartment i guess found a bullet hole in their pants
0: oh my god that didn't
1: hit them which is insane to me like this these shots like literally just missed them I'm very happy that they are not hurt, but that's terrible.
0: Wait, like the pants they were wearing? Yeah. They only just noticed the hole. They didn't hear anything or they didn't
1: feel it. Well, no, they they knew the gunshots were happening. It says that they like got to the ground as soon as they heard it. Okay. <laughs> but then like later on found like a hole in their pants. They didn't like realize how close these were to hitting them. He faces like a bunch of counts. Of different things to do with, like, having a firearm, discharging a firearm, having drugs and a firearm in the same house, destruction of another person's property, and a few other things. And there's no, like, follow-up to explaining anything about, like, mental health or anything. I'm sure that there's... They haven't gotten that far yet, but clearly, there's, like, something. Your average person doesn't just say, yeah, my dog told me to do this. This
0: is, like, the darkest possible timeline for Mystery Incorporated. (laughs) Like... I don't know, Scoop. You want me to do what?
1: Oh my god! It's like that fucking Scoop, the Scooby-Doo Blair Witch Project, (laughs) (laughs) which is for everyone who doesn't know is a real thing, and you should go watch it. It's good. Root the raggy.
0: (laughs) Root (laughs) the. They're trying to me.
1: It's fucked up, but I ha- I like I laughed at the headline because it's just so outrageous. Oh man. But I'm happy that the people who are his neighbors were safe, did not get hurt, and I hope that they can get some sort of peace of mind soon because that sucks.
0: I like that for the most part we've only covered this sort of uh criminal activity in happening in Massachusetts.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, I There's obviously bad stuff that happens everywhere. It's most of the news that I have to pilfer through when trying to find news stories for this podcast is murders, car accidents, and other crime that's just terrible. But only in Massachusetts do I find them being like weird and kind of funny.
0: Massachusetts is like kind of the Florida of New England in a way. That's
1: a huge claim. We're going to get hate for that one. But I.
0: (laughs) What other state is more Florida? I mean, maybe New Hampshire. (laughs) That's a good point. Yeah.
1: Even Maine. Yeah. Massachusetts, like I said, is the only one where I like hear these like outlandish headlines frequently.
0: Anyways. (laughs) Moving on. This is a little bit old news. In a way, this is very old news. But I recently learned as a resident of New London, Connecticut, that New London, Connecticut is one half the home to America's oldest football rivalry. Every Thanksgiving for the past 148 years. Oh my god. Right? So the first the first game took place in 1875, and for the past 148 years, New London High School has played a Thanksgiving Day football game against Norwich Free Academy in obviously Norwich, Connecticut, about 15 miles to the north. Right. The overall record over the course of these 148 years is is 77 Norwich, 63 New London, and 11 ties.
1: Whoa. Yeah. That's like pretty even. So this is a big deal for them.
0: Oh, it's a huge deal, apparently. This is like a major event in either school that hosts it, but also just like in Southern Connecticut in general, this is like a big deal. I also wanted to say, though, when I was looking into this, what I noticed was when you start to look at the oldest football rivalries in the United States, all of which are between high schools for the most part, the vast majority of them are located within New England. Oh, there's one's happening between uh, a school in Andover, Massachusetts, versus one in Exeter, New Hampshire.
1: Throwback to Exeter, the alien town.
0: That's true. Yeah, the third oldest is between Wellesley High School of Massachusetts again versus Needham High School also Massachusetts I mean
1: even when you even when you think about it one of the like biggest college football games is Yale Harvard
0: Exactly and that's what this game is most often compared to but technically this game between Norwich and New London is older it is the That's crazy oldest on or, or at least the oldest ongoing football rivalry wow so did you did you go to the game no i've never been to the game i doubt i'll even be able to make it most years right because i tend to go back home to new jersey for thanksgiving but Boo. my curiosity is definitely peaked
1: you should make your you should make your family come to new london and spend thanksgiving at your <laughs> house so that you can all go to the game
0: i mean honestly what is a better way to spend american thanksgiving than attending the oldest american football rivalry game that's
1: crazy that's i mean that's
0: a pretty cool event to go to for thanksgiving Uh, i also wanted to mention that this year the result was new london beat norwich 35 to 13 wow huge celebration afterward i mean that's a that's a pretty decisive victory that they pulled off that's important because in the long history of this rivalry, usually New London is the school that sort of gets humiliated. (laughs) I found one example about how in 1902, the annual game score ended with, Norwich beating New London 130 to 0.
1: That's crazy. <laughs> oh my god.
0: That is about one of the worst losses wow. I've ever even heard of in the game of football. How they I mean even, that's how just How did they even get that? Many
1: points.
0: I do I don't even understand how it's possible. Oh and the god. worst part is that New London, which actually at that point was called Bulk, Bulkley. Oh, ca- like Bulkley what year was High this? School. Oh, the high school no, 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 was No, the the high school. Yeah, yeah, not the town. But It used to be called Bulkley High School. They conceded only a few minutes into the second half. So that 130 points was only scored in the first half for the most part. I mean, that is just like... That's crazy. To get 130 scored on you and then give up at the beginning (laughs) of the second half, that is... Probably the worst loss I've ever heard of in football, period. But they're, in recent years, clawing their way back in this rivalry. And I hope within my lifetime to see them take the lead at some point. Yeah, That'd be amazing. Another insane example that is in the same article. In 1909, so only seven years after that historic loss, the timekeeper for the game, who was... Working for the Norwich High School, accidentally allowed the game clock to exceed the legal time in the game by 13 minutes. And in that 13 minutes, Norwich came from behind and scored a touchdown to tie the game.
1: Interesting.
0: Yeah. Apparently, after the game, the official ran for his life when people figured out the error because people (laughs) were so upset. That he like let them come from behind after the game was technically over oh my God. because of a mistake. Yeah. Or who knows? I mean, knowing Norwich, that could have easily been <laughs> on done purpose. on purpose. Right. Obviously, now that I know this exists, as someone who lives in New London, I, I you know, I Norwich fills me with rage. <laughs> I see red every time they're mentioned. I hate them. They're my greatest rivals. <laughs> Fair enough. What is next, Sarah?
1: All right, so I have another story from Massachusetts. So this headline reads: Massachusetts man arrested after trying to fight officers having sixty-two mini alcohol bottles. So I laughed at this, obviously, because that's <laughs> crazy. Wait, can you repeat that headline for a second? Massachusetts man <laughs> arrested after trying to fight officers having sixty-two mini alcohol bottles. He has them, not I feel the like officers. That's
0: grammatically confusing. There's a comma after <laughs> officers. Okay. Yeah. But but why was that even involved in the fight? I mean, okay. Are they implying were, so, were they stolen? So no. He just had. Them? He was <laughs> he was
1: driving under the influence,
0: um. um and this man okay. is
1: apparently facing his third under the influence, uh, charge, which is crazy. Three is insane. He got pulled over because he was driving erratically, supposedly on his way to Pittsfield, which is in the Berkshires, beautiful place. He got pulled over and threatened. The cops or sorry. The word they use was challenged, challenged the cops to
0: a fight, <laughs>
1: <laughs> which is even funnier. <laughs> like I'm imagining this like a video game where he's like stanced up like Mortal Kombat. Yeah. <laughs> you know, or a Street Fighter, like any fighting game where you're just like stanced and you're like ready to punch.
0: It's like worded more politely than threatening. Yeah. Right. Yeah.
1: Like- but he had 62 mini bottles of alcohol in the car. And so at first I'm like, that's crazy. That's just like a lot of nips. That's what's in my mind. And then they have a photo. <laughs> and in the photo, there is a sleeve of Smirnoff oh, no. nips. <laughs> there are six empty Smirnoff <laughs> nips next to the sleeve. There are four full bottles or four full nips of Fireball next to the empty Smirnoff bottles. Oh my God. A full sleeve of Fireball nips. Um, and then... There are 32 empty nips of Fireball underneath that, and then four extra 100 millil- milliliter bottles of Fireball next to those. So this man is just drinking <laughs> so much Fireball.
0: And, like, do you remember <laughs> what I was just saying about Massachusetts <laughs> yeah. being the Florida? I mean, come on, this is a demon. <laughs> this is like.
1: <laughs> ah, it's crazy because at this point, it's like just buy a bottle, dude. Like just buy a whole bottle if you're gonna. Maybe like, he
0: prefers the fake fireball. Maybe right. he prefers the malt liquor version. Right. I
1: get why people started the whole lawsuit. Buy nips. I understand the reasoning behind it, like being able to drink sneakily and whatever. But clearly, this guy is like drinking them in the car. Or I mean, maybe he's not drinking them in the car. Maybe he's just discarding them in the car. But like, it's still crazy to me that he wouldn't ever get bigger ones obviously they probably couldn't test when these were drank like it's possible that he didn't drink them all in one night but the thought of him drinking them all in one night is like really funny to i be. don't think
0: that <laughs> has to kill you <laughs> <laughs> there's no way that anyone No, could i don't think 32 like yeah i think you'd 32 be 32 fireball in the you'd be you'd be
1: like fucked up after a sleeve. Pretty hard.
0: It'd be like when acid in a cartoon burns a hole through the floor. Right. Like (laughs) that'd be happening to your stomach lining. Yeah. Yeah. That's just not.
1: Yeah, because you're literally drinking fake fireball.
0: I feel like this has just proved my thesis about (laughs)
1: Massachusetts. (laughs) But yeah, we're definitely gonna share this photo because it's it's so funny. Like when I when I saw the headline, I was like, oh I gotta read this. And then I scrolled down, I like burst out fucking laughing. I always love the photos that like cops take of when they like find evidence. And they like put it out on a table. And the funniest is when it's like they like take weed from someone and it's just like a little baggie of weed in like a bowl. And they're like so proud of it. And so like this is just as funny because I could just imagine them standing there having to like place each (laughs) bottle next to each other (laughs) and like line them all up.
0: He also opts for the flavored Smirnoff every once in a while when I guess he's just totally sick of fireball.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I don't know what flavor it is. I couldn't. Discern it from the packaging.
0: It almost looks like root beer flavor. Right. That's
1: what I was thinking based on the graphic, but I was like, is that a flavor? I don't know.
0: Um doing some research and it looks like yes. That's crazy. That's that's what that is. He okay, so when he's tired of the fireball nips, he opts for root beer <laughs> smear. Wait, sorry, it's root beer float flavor. <laughs> which, first of all, I've never heard of that in my life. No. That is insane. But that as being your second go to when your first is fireball, this is a demon. This yeah. Is,
1: no, this is crazy. Um This
0: person is not of this world. <laughs> this like,
1: but yeah, oh my I God. I don't condone drinking and driving, but um as I don't condone owning an automatic rifle, I don't condone apparently a lot of the actions taken by Massachusetts residents Sarah. in this.
0: Anti-Massachusetts bigotry <laughs> on display. <laughs>
1: The reason I found the dog article with the gun is because in this article, when you're, like, reading it, you know how they'll have, like, read more and there'll be, like, a link to another article? There's a link to that one. And I read it and I was like, what the hell? Like, I was, like, I was in the middle of my article. And I was like, wait, hello?
0: Algorithmically, it's a perfect, like, oh, if you liked that, then you're going to love this. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I'm definitely glad. 100% right. Definitely glad that they, you know, got the guy and that somebody called it in because it's super, um, dangerous, but also linked in the article is the police's statement that they made on Facebook. Cause you know how like police stations will post on Facebook about arrests and stuff that they make, which is insane to me. The comments are, uh, in line with my thoughts. Wouldn't it be cheaper to buy one bigger bottle? Pretty thirsty. Good job. At least you got him in time before something happened. Gotta love that fireball. And then it's just so much people being bootlickers otherwise. But
0: I love how the first instinct is <laughs> it's just like to see this image and to think of like, there has to be a cheaper way to do <laughs> this. <laughs> There's oh got to be a more spendthrift, savvy way. Yeah. To- <laughs> somebody said
1: Pittsfield people, I tell you. Someone else said his booty must be spicy the next day. What the hell? Um, another comment. <laughs> his, liver, hell? his liver must be on his last legs. Fireball hangovers. He must feel like he got run over by a train. This photo makes me want to vomit. This photo makes me glad I quit drinking.
0: Definitely an agreeable sentiment. Yeah. I cannot get over that the The second place Bev is Rupier <laughs> Smirnoff. I know. <laughs> Rupier Float Smirnoff. Yeah. Man. This person is drinking like an 11-year-old. <laughs> <laughs>
1: oh, my gosh.
0: All right. So my next piece of news is a Vermont story and also a Massachusetts story. Okay. But mostly it is the talk of the whole world as far as those who listen to alternative or indie music. This year's Spotify wrapped, which has obviously become a major cultural event in a lot of ways. Two New England cities were represented more than many other places as being hotspots of alternative music behavior, those being Burlington, Vermont, and Cambridge, Massachusetts. Burlington, Cambridge, and then also Berkeley, California, are sort of the Bermuda Triangle (laughs) of, I guess, alternative music in general, what it was is there was a part of the Spotify wrapped that was called my sound town and it assigned you a city based off of your taste. And the cities that came up for a lot of people were more specific than a New York or a Boston or anywhere else. For some reason they went with highly sort of like niche, smaller towns. Yeah. I saw
1: some that were like weird. I saw some that were like Flagstaff, Arizona.
0: Right. Yeah. But for some reason, a lot of people ended up with Burlington and Cambridge. Burlington specifically was a really big one, and especially amongst our <laughs> friends and the people we know. I mean, I personally was assigned Burlington so was as I, my sound town our, and my rapt. Right? If you
1: remember our, our old guests on our Halloween episode, all five of us got it. So that says something.
0: It really does, especially because what I've read is that Burlington was only assigned to 0.6% of users. That's crazy. It is crazy. It's just it that It just
1: shows how we like run in those circles, I guess.
0: Exactly. It was just everyone with a very specific taste in music and I guess what you could call it is like the popular alternative sure. releases of the year it were all lumped together in Burlington specifically, but also Cambridge Mass and Berkeley. Yep. I've heard them, uh, there's been articles that have come out since, like, did your Spotify Wrapped place you in Burlington, Berkeley, or Cambridge? You might be gay. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I've seen a lot of talk from people, especially on Twitter, talking about these three cities or Burlington specifically. It's especially confusing because the people of Burlington don't understand why they were chosen for this. Nor do many people in Burlington actually have Burlington as their sound town. I read an article published on Slate.com that speaks to some music journalists in Burlington. They were completely caught off guard, but most of them got Portland, Oregon.
1: Oh, my gosh. So
0: <laughs> they have no idea why Burlington is like That's such a massive location like as far as well, like you know our music scene in my
1: mind it makes sense because it's like the like stereotypical crunchy granola city right sure but but maybe it's that the people there are actually not acting and then they're, they're even more hipster than we thought i guess maybe you could say because they're getting <laughs> right. portland i don't know it's also i find it really funny because i was thinking about this so all five of us meaning me, you, Ethan, John, Liam, got Burlington, Vermont. And a thing that we've done for the past couple years, I think, is that we took all of our top 100 songs and put them into a playlist of 500 songs. And our music tastes very wildly. Not super wildly, like a lot of them are in line with each other, but we listen to a large variety of artists that that aren't the same. For instance, this year we only had like five or six overlap songs, which is kind of crazy to think about. Because obviously, there was a lot of like big, good music that came out this year. But for the most part, we listen to a pretty wide variety of artists and genres. Yet, still, enough of those artists and genres fit into this like niche grouping of Burlington, Vermont. And it's even crazier that you say only 0.6% of users got it. Like, that makes it even more wild to me.
0: Yeah. I wanted to also shout out that Charlie XCX tweeted next album defo giving Berkeley. But for now, I guess I'm a Burlington girl through and through (laughs) and then posted her result. That being that she was assigned Burlington USA as her sound town. And specifically because she listened to a lot of the velvet underground and Nico, what, which, yeah, that surprised (laughs) me a little bit too. But uh, Spotify is trying to put us all (laughs) in like some sort of like indie rock, Commune in Burlington. Clearly. (laughs) Which, I mean, obviously is something that could exist easily. (laughs) I think there's really something to it. But the first thing that came to mind for me with all of this hubbub about Burlington was when a couple years back, a lot of people, specifically from this exact same sort of listening demographic, were assigned their top genre of the year as escape room which is something that, oh, I remember that. N- no one had ever heard of right. and doesn't really exist. It was So Spotify are constantly sort of inventing new genre niches and things like this for their Spotify wrapped or for their algorithm to, you know, assign users like into niches to like, you know, fit their profile and their taste and what are we going to feed them next? But then they end up coming up with like random Assignments like escape room something that yeah, doesn't actually remember, mean anything. I remember
1: bubble grunge being a big one, which yeah, I think after that came out, it had already been a genre, but it wasn't like one that was talked about. If I remember correctly, I think I looked into that last year because that was last year's rap. I'm pretty sure. Exactly. But ever, a bunch of people, and myself included, got like bubble grunge as one of our top genres, and everyone was like, "What the fuck is that?"
0: You know, part of me thinks that this is all just us falling for. The very intentional You know like this is intentionally Trying to build up more people talking About the rapt right by just giving Something that's a little confounding or Weird sure it's like a weird marketing scheme Exactly. Yeah. Like we're, we're maybe just falling for a marketing scheme. But at the same time, well, you know, I'm, I'm kind of just, I'm glad then that they also managed to shout out Burlington <laughs> and Cambridge, which are both important music scenes within right. New England and have a lot of interesting stuff and great artists in those towns. So honestly, I think it's a net positive. Definitely. Very funny that everyone was so confused Why they were given Burlington And and the funniest part is doesn't say like Burlington, Vermont But because it's like Spotify is obviously international It just says Burlington, USA So tons of people from like Europe Were also getting Burlington, USA Because they listened to like charlie xcx and bob dylan (laughs) and then they were like what the hell is a burlington (laughs) like that must be even more confusing that like you and all your friends that listen to like similar stuff are just being assigned like some random small town in america that no one has ever heard of (laughs) but yeah i appreciate the call out from spotify this year i mean kind of a bogus company
1: but
0: still (laughs) nice to call out new england music scenes
1: Along uh, those lines, Connor had the really great idea of creating a New England Wrapped for 2023. And I took it upon myself to start that and hopefully will be out before the end of the year. Um, And the idea is just, you know, to spotlight a bunch of New England music that was released this year, like artists from New England. And it so far has proven to be pretty fun to do. I spent a a decent amount of time um, looking into it one thing that I just want to say is, I encourage you all to go try to find weird niche artists from different small towns in wherever you're from or whatever from wherever, because I actually found some pretty cool stuff that's like from some artist that has like less than a hundred monthly listeners on Spotify or whatever, just by kind of digging into the related artists of different artists or yeah. Um, I went on Bandcamp actually, and I did. One of their searches where you can like search for a genre tag and then you can search within that for a state or location.
0: Bandcamp is a really great resource for that.
1: Yeah, even though I kind of hate their search um, capabilities, (laughs) it's pretty annoying. Yeah, it was kind of fun to be able to just type in like I had the tag as just like rock or something. And then I typed in every different, you know, New England state one by one and just scrolled through their like top albums within that had that tag of rock released from that state and i was telling connor how i was basing off what i was looking for on like if the art was cool or not which i think is valid i think that you know i was talking (laughs) to my friend chris about it and he said you know art should be seen as a whole um not one or the other and i agree with that yeah i ended up finding some actually like pretty cool stuff so yeah i encourage you to, to do some exploration but that playlist will hopefully be out by the end of the year on spotify i'm sorry to all of our non-Spotify listeners, maybe maybe I can make a YouTube playlist as well. But yeah, so hopefully that'll be up by the end of the year.
0: Yeah, so you know we'll, we'll include a link to that on the Instagram or something. And yeah, please check it out. We had an amazing opportunity this year to speak to a couple of New England musicians who have released amazing stuff in the last year. We have friends from all around that... I've also put out like amazing music in the last year. Do your best to like find and support whatever local musicians maybe in your area. Just like Sarah said, Bandcamp is like a super useful website as far as narrowing down people's location and just what's coming out in towns next to you. I don't I don't really know what else I would use other than Bandcamp as far as like you can just like you said like look up genre and then just plug in your hometown and Oh man, there's all this stuff that's coming out.
1: I'm sure that like Rate Your Music might work in a similar way, or Last FM. Yeah, maybe Last FM might have a similar search. But I was just using Bandcamp because it was just what I thought at first. Um, yep. But-, but yeah,
0: do some digging. Check out the playlist because we're gonna we're gonna have some absolute bangers in there. Oh yeah. Big year for New England music.
1: Oh yeah. Okay. Well, my last news story today is a wholesome one, opposing my two kind of. Chaotic evil stories from Massachusetts. So my story comes from Maine. And this is, I want to say, the opposite of the, once again, chaotic evil that is SantaCon in New York City. For those of you who don't know, SantaCon is essentially just a bunch of drunk people coming into the city for one day dressed as Santa and just, like, getting drunk and being annoying and causing a ruckus. And it's always, like, complained about Constantly, all over the internet, all I see is people complaining about these drunk
0: tourists. This is a national phenomenon too. People, SantaCon is a pretty universally hated event by anyone that isn't they themselves a Santa. Yeah,
1: it's um, you have to be a specific type of bad person to want to be involved in SantaCon. I think. <laughs> I think if I had a friend that said, "I'm gonna go to SantaCon like dressed as Santa," I would be like, "Yeah, we're not friends anymore," um, <laughs> because that is just it's crazy. Anyway, this is the opposite of that. This is people dressing as Santa, but instead of going to New York City and just getting drunk and being annoying, they're skiing down a mountain and raising money for an education charity, and I think that that is extremely wholesome. So I guess this is an annual event that's been happening for over 20 years. And this year, around 300 people dressed in full, the full Santa garb, like the whole outfit, the beard, the hat, everything, and skied at this uh, ski resort in Western Maine called Sunday River. And I guess they raised over $8,000 for River Fund Maine, which is an education charity in Maine. And there's some pictures and like a little video of it. And it honestly looks like the most like wholesome thing ever. There's a Grinch thrown in there. (laughs) People who decide to dress up as Santas for Santa-Con should take note that there's a better, better way to spend their time in a more useful way. Well, that's all we have for the news today, so let's get to our interview with Kristen.
2: You are now on the new New Englanders hotline.
1: Thanks, Kristen, for joining us today.
2: Do you want to introduce yourself a little
1: and tell us a little bit about yourself?
2: Sure. Uh, I'm Kristen Bayusik. I'm thinking uh, the claim to fame here is heading up Connecticut Bells and Chimes, um, which is a worldwide um, women's pinball organization. There's different chapters, primarily across the country in the U.S., but also in New Zealand, the U.K., other countries as well. And it's just a way for to get more women uh, and people in general into pinball, doing tournaments, leagues, things like that. Definitely very active in the Connecticut and New England pinball community in general, trying to play as many tournaments as possible. And uh, Sarah's definitely been in, involved in a bunch of them as well.
1: I've definitely fallen off these last few months, but <laughs> trying to save money lately. But I want to get back into it in the new year.
0: Awesome. What I'm most curious about right now is... How did you personally get involved with pinball? What was your, the thing that started you down this road? And how did you specifically find that you wanted to become involved with bells and chimes?
2: So I wasn't, I didn't really have anybody. A lot of people I know, you know, had games that they played in arcades as a kid, or they had places that they hung out uh, growing up. I didn't really have anything like that. I mean, I definitely played pinball, um, you know, more than once as a kid. But it wasn't really around that much in my life, so I didn't really get heavily involved until Arcade uh, in New Haven actually started getting some games in, and we had already been going there for happy hours. But once they had pinball, it was like kind of got the bug bit and started to just find more places. I'm I'm also the admin for the Pinball Map app in Connecticut, so which is a fun app so you can basically look wherever you are and look at what places have pinball machines active around. So all kinds of places like arcades, bowling alleys, bars, things like that. Um, So just trying to find more places and then eventually playing competitively and and getting involved in that. But I think we started coming to the Sanctum in Meriden, which is where I play pretty regularly. Um, It is uh, a private collection that opens up to the public once a week on Mondays in Meriden. Uh, And, They have a league, but it probably took me about a year. I started coming with my now husband, and it probably took us about, I don't know, maybe not even a year. But it took us a little while to start coming until we started joining their league. And then now it's just been crazy with getting involved in competitive pinball, running tournaments, um, organizing other events, and participating in league.
0: Right, right. So you mentioned... For a second there the sanctum in connecticut and i've had the luxury of having been there once and i had a great time but can you tell our listeners a little more about the sanctum in general
2: absolutely it's um it's a collective of different folks um a couple key folks from the area who've been involved with pinball for a very long time the games range from you know like the old electrical mechanical games to, you know, brand new. Uh, they just got a big Lebowski um, that they posted about. So great collection, um, tournaments every week, and it's just a really great, positive environment. Um, people are really nice there. You don't find any bad sports, just a, a really great, welcoming group of people there. And another thing that is interesting about the sanctum is that they are home to the 24-hour final battle, which is a 24-hour pinball tournament that takes place. It's actually technically 25 hours, I guess, because it's always on daylight savings time in November. But 24-hour pinball straight, it's a lot. I've played in it two years so far, and I will definitely keep playing as long as I can. It's uh, entrance is a lottery, so it's fun. It keeps it fair to everybody to get in, and it's a lot of fun. I always encourage people to try it once and see if you like it, and... uh, yeah it's 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 great cool
1: maybe 2024 will be my year that i attempt the 24 hour i'm just you so i'm just so afraid of it
2: <laughs> the staying awake part was not the hardest part but definitely playing quality pinball was a little bit yeah. harder yeah you know this is where my insomnia shines so. <laughs> i also wanted to um mention too
1: because you were just talking you know about the sanctum and like that's Basically, one of the only places that I've really played much since I started, and just wanted to shout it out from my end too that it's a place that kind of like came to me in a time where I needed a third space. And you know, a lot of those don't exist anymore. I've met a lot of people and made a lot of friends, Kristen included, through playing, and it's just a really awesome third place to go that isn't, you know, home or work. <laughs>
2: I like that way of describing it as the third place. I think uh, I think we've got a couple pinball places that are that are the third place for me and my husband. We also play uh, Western Mass Pinball Club, it is uh, about an hour from from where I live in Meriden. It's in Palmer, Massachusetts, and very similar vibe. Really, just a, a similar sanctum setup, uh, but a little bit farther north. Great crew there, more great games and tournaments, all different kinds of formats. So. It's great. They've got people who want to, who run tournaments, always trying to, always, always down to try something new. There's a a couple formats that are a little quirky. Um, One is called Critical Hit. And uh, I've never played Magic the Gathering, so I'm probably describing it poorly, but you get cards that give you certain abilities and, and you play in a tournament, but it's, it's, these cards give you uh, certain advantages or disadvantages. I've only played it once, but, it's uh, it's an interesting format, so I, I'm really interested in doing more quirky things like that, trying new things, and always getting a good group of people.
0: That's awesome. So, obviously, you, both of you, Krista and Sarah, you're both fully immersed in the pinball competitive sphere and just the world of competitive pinball. As someone who knows very little about how a pinball competition would even happen, could you give me just a crash course on what two people competing in pinball looks like
2: very intense (laughs) (laughs) um it's a lot of fun i mean it's i I think it depends on the people who are playing some people have uh some people get more into it a lot of people move around a lot and kick you know i definitely recommend that people don't stand behind me when i'm when i'm kind (laughs) of getting in the zone sometimes i'll i'll kick a leg um but everybody has their own little strategies like there's some there's some people we play with who do just uh, their different little warm up thing whether it's taking a breath or just whatever whatever their behavior is that they do before they step up to a game but it's it should be always fun and i think sometimes you you know i've played in a couple events where there's some people who are bad sports they're you know not not super fun to play with but i would say the vast majority of the events that i play and it's a lot of good people who just we're all here to have fun it's like sarah said it's our it's our third place this is our place yeah. not <laughs> home or work and it's we're all here to have fun so as far as organizing stuff um there is the ifpa which is the international flipper pinball association so you can anybody can run a tournament and set it up however they want but you know, I like when things are ranked. I I love having a a silly ranking that I can talk about at work. Uh, I'm looking forward to bragging about my IFPA ranking at the holiday party at work tomorrow, (laughs) which I don't know what it is right now. I think it's like, I want to say like 1600 or 1700, something like that. But, um, so setting it up through there, getting, you know, getting ranks it's it's not difficult but there's a surprising amount of administrative work um there's a little bit of marketing that goes into it too i love making fun flyers for events um i have friends i'm not great at making trophies but i have friends who do i play a lot with the boston bells and chimes and they are definitely some of the best trophy makers i have seen they're very crafty (laughs) i'm more of a store-bought is fine kind of person yeah, always always fun getting people together and I find a lot of times like if you build it they will come. If you if you host something, you'll probably get people coming out to it. I'm always pleasantly surprised with the turnouts that I've had at events I've run or events I've gone to and been really excited about. So
1: and something I wanted to touch on too um because I had thought about this, you know, before we started was just talking about like general gameplay of playing competitively i had mentioned to connor that i've had people specifically i had somebody who like messaged me on a dating app asking me first of all i had pinball mentioned on my dating app my dating profile so i had a lot of people <laughs> like asking me about it but i had somebody who was like how does that even work like i didn't realize that you could like play pinball mu- multiplayer which i've had more than one person say that Whoa. to me
2: you just hit the button a couple times
1: yeah like there's been times (laughs) where i even like have gone out you know to barcade or something and playing with someone who's never really played pinball before um and maybe it's like my age demo because we didn't necessarily grow up playing it ever anywhere because i guess arcades weren't really around like having to explain to someone how a game could be multiplayer was very difficult at first um but (laughs) now i'm used to it but yeah so you just start most games are multiplayer some of the older ones are only one player and then there's some that are two, but most are four. And you just press the start button four times and that'll make a game four player. Um, And you each take your turn and then you take a turn again and then you take a turn again. And then the game's over. There's three. Everybody gets three turns. Three. Balls. I know it
2: sounds it sounds simple, but you'd be surprised. Always uh, <laughs> one. I think the biggest ruling I have to make as a tournament director is like someone that got DQ'd for going out of turn and in tournaments it like. It says somewhere on a screen very clearly what your order is for the most part. There's not, there's some tournaments where you do, you know, change, you do get to pick the order, but for the most part, it's going to be written somewhere. But I'm always surprised when people are like playing out of turn. The other one is playing extra balls in tournament mode. You know, if you're playing at a bar and your game gives you an extra ball, it's always good to play it because you're paying for those games. But if you're in playing in a tournament, uh, usually we won't play an extra ball just to keep it fair for everybody. So that's the other that's the other big ruling, which I'm I'm grateful for. That's been a new a new challenge over the last year is actually directing tournaments, um, making rulings. Most of them are are pretty simple, um, and there's so many resources out there. There's Discord channels and Slack channels of people who are awake all the time somehow. And happy to weigh in on your particular predicament. So, and there's, there's well, like the IFPA has their, has their specific rules about most situations. So it's fun. There's definitely a lot of people who take it very seriously. And um, sometimes the stakes are pretty high in in really big events. Thankfully, mine are definitely feel very casual. And I think uh, it's, it's pretty clear that fun is the ultimate goal here.
1: And another thing, too, like, especially talking about the tournaments that are played at the Sanctum every week or at Western Mass, these tournaments are open to anyone. Like, you don't have to be a part of a league to be in just, like, the casual tournaments. We do have leagues, which anyone also could join at any skill level, but the tournaments can be anyone. You can show up to the Sanctum one week and sign up for the tournament and just be in it no matter what your skill level is. And I honestly encourage, like, my friends to do it because it's just... First of all, it kind of teaches you the competitive side of it a little bit more and kind of shows you really how to play each individual game when you're playing. And it made me a better player. I mean, the first week I went, I don't think I participated in the tournament. Maybe I did. I don't remember. But the second week I went was the first week of League. And our friend Chris Point had, you know, introduced me to everyone. And on that second week, everyone was like, so Sarah, like, are you going to join League? And I was like, oh man, I don't know. And then Jim Jim offered to let me play the first week and see how I liked it. Jim is, you know, one of the owners of the club. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to start doing this. And then I did. And it was fun. Even though I wasn't like that good at it, it's still like, it taught me a lot that first league season. That I did. Yeah,
2: it's, it's definitely way different than just going out and playing in a bar and, and learning how to play it. I also say it's where else can you go to make friends as an adult and meet new people as an adult right. um, it's a very wide range of, of folks with different backgrounds all different ages um, I think the kids that play it's really amazing I think playing with some of those kids who are way better than me and <laughs> they haven't been playing very long or it's it's pretty amazing I think one of the the top ranked players is definitely I, I think quite a few of the top ranked players right now are definitely under 21 also under 18 too, so.
1: Yeah, I think that it's the one place that I've really made friends after graduating college because like I'm not really making friends at work. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, it's like that's one of the main places I go. So it's, it's pretty cool yeah. to have that space to do that. And like, as Kristen said, people of all ages, like it's funny when I've brought, you know, other people, they're like, you're hanging out with someone who's like could be your dad or your grandpa. And I'm like, Yeah, and they're cool as fuck. That's why. Like,
0: (laughs) (laughs) Anyone can be anyone's grandpa. Let's get over it. Fair (laughs) enough. (laughs) (laughs) So speaking of making space, I feel like that probably relates pretty directly to specifically Bells and Chimes as far as making a space specifically for women within this niche. How did you find that that was something that you wanted to be involved in or that that was like a goal that you also shared?
2: So I I had no idea it existed, but a friend, um, Emily May, who actually was in Connecticut um, and now plays in Vermont. She had reached out about it and knew it was around and asked if I was interested in trying to start something up starting up a chapter in Connecticut and it sounded great. Um, I still, um, I think it's hard to do what it's really like on paper. Um, it's, it's, you know, it sounds good. It's a, it's, you know, kind of a, a women's for lack of a better word pinball league, or I, I keep wanting to say collective, but that's not really the right word, but it's just a place for women to get involved and hang out with other women and, and kind of it be a, a safe space where you can, where you can get better at, at pinball. And again, meet new people. I think there are a lot of people in the... As much as we're we're spoiled here in, in Connecticut, it's in the tournaments that we play. There's not a ton of sexism and everybody treats everyone respectfully. There's definitely uh, in the pinball community more of that in other places. So I think some people um, might get turned off by that and think, wow, this isn't like a place I feel comfortable. So setting that mindset and setting up that space Um, or there's people who you know maybe their their partner plays and they're at a different skill level and they're more comfortable hanging out with a group of women um i don't know it just tends to it just tends to feel very inclusive And that's the other thing is we we all want to be inclusive of everyone, too. So um, not just cisgender women, you know, we're we're definitely welcoming of trans people who are comfortable in that kind of environment that focuses on the experience of of women. So and I think, you know, we are always and we're always asking and making sure that we want to be promoting that well and we want to be saying that the right way and making sure that everybody's comfortable and everybody's in a place where they can have fun and and be part of something.
0: That's awesome. I feel like I've only ever heard such positive things, especially about the local pinball community. And like I said earlier, I've been to the sanctum once, but ever since that moment, I've, I've been like trying to get back into, you know, to see more of this little world because I was the type of person I had no idea until Sarah got involved with this that anyone was super competitive about pinball or that that was an option of something to be like super interested in. But it seems like such a such a cool niche.
2: Absolutely. It's uh, people are always surprised when I tell them that that's the hobby I'm into. I mean, I play golf and stuff, but that doesn't get quite the reaction of pinball.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I feel like um, whenever I meet someone new, like I went on a first date recently and we were talking about hobbies. I was like, yeah, I play competitive pinball. They're immediately just like, what is that? Like, what do you mean? Where do you go for that? (laughs) And it is a very like fun thing to be able to talk about to people for sure. Kristen, I wanted to ask you, so I know that you travel all over new England to play in various different tournaments and at different places. Do you want to shed some light on some of the other, you know, organizations or Bells and Chimes uh, chapters around New England?
2: Absolutely. Um, So we, we, Connecticut, um, and there's, you know, there's quite a few of the, of the core members here. We collaborate a lot with the Boston Bells and Chimes, and they're really the, once I started getting into and knew what Bells and Chimes was... The one of their tournaments was the first one I played and it was awesome. I had so much fun and it was well run and well organized and I had a blast. So we collaborate with them trying to do, do events to met together and co-promote. We did a, we all were talking about how much we love Rocky Horror Picture Show. So we did the Rocky Horror Pinball Show. I did one at the Sanctum and they did one in Massachusetts. So we're always trying to help each other, um, but there's I, I believe there's a chapter in every every state in New England. I think most states in the U.S. Um, we're actually working on the uh, getting ready for the state championships, which will happen in January, which I think, Sarah, you will probably qualify for. I'll have to double check. But That'd I be think crazy you be I, haven't, again. I
1: haven't been in a few months really consistently. So
2: so it's know. overlap. Maybe. So it ends up because there's so much pinball in a small area there's so many people that qualify in different states and making okay. the decision of where am i going to play so um definitely we i i'd like to go to New York's events a lot and New Hampshire does a lot Rhode Island Providence um there's it's just fun playing in other people's events and seeing how they do things, getting ideas and just uh just having a good time. And I think I did I played one tournament in New York, um the Albany Bells and Chimes. I think most of the players in the tournament were tournament directors themselves, so it was really fun and just even when we had to make rulings on each other, it was it was great. And seeing other you know, seeing other fun venues like that was at a place called the Excelsior Pub in Albany. And it, if I lived there, I would be that that would be my regular bar. It was just a friendly little place with four or five games and great tap list food and exploring different areas. Um, the Rochester Bells and Chimes did an event over the summer solstice last year, and I'd never been to Rochester. But I figured. Here's an opportunity to go visit a place I've never been, and I loved it. Rochester's great, definitely awesome. an excuse to travel and and check out new places, and it's, and like in kind of a safe way too. Like especially if like you're on your own, it's like here's a here's a reason I have to go here and and check out this place and
0: hang out with these new people. Right, I feel like that's one of the best things that can come out of a hobby or a passion finding interconnectivity between people. For sure. Especially within your home state or something.
2: Absolutely. Yeah.
0: I have another question, which is what would you consider one of your favorite or I, I don't know how how far this list could go, but like <laughs> top pinball machines. Oh, that's games. like always
2: a question. Um It's hard to say. Um, I I think the first game I started playing, like since I've been playing as an adult, was Adam's Family, and that is always going to be my favorite. Unfortunately, for whatever reason, even though it's one of the most produced games, it costs so much money. The resale value is crazy—like ten thousand dollars for a game that came out in like nineteen ninety-one. Yeah, Um, that's like not even that bad a price, honestly. Like they go for so much more. But got a couple games at home. Um, one of them is Batman sixty six, so like the the Adam West Batman, but it's a, a new game that came out in two thousand nineteen. That was one of the that was like the new uh, the new games. That was the first new game that I we bought for the house. Um, I think about a month after buying the house, we saw a Craigslist ad for a Blue Chip, which is an electrical mechanical game from the seventies, and it looked great. So I'm like. Let's let's get it. We gotta get it, and then it's kind of been history since. So a lot of the games, you know, I have at the house that my husband and I have together. We've got a, a Hobbit, which is another favorite. Um, definitely a, a big Lord of the Rings in general fan. And then I I don't know any the I like the old electrical mechanical games. They're fun to play. It definitely feels like a more physical experience because it matters how hard you got to get it up the ramps. You know, you, or not the ramps, but get it through the spinners um you know hearing the chimes hearing the bells bells and chimes um (laughs) hearing those things it's just it's it's a it's a it's a different experience playing them um I like the new games. There's a lot of fun things coming out, but I like uh, I like a lot of the old stuff. There's a lot of charm and they all play a little bit differently. They're all set up a little bit differently. So if you're good at the Stars at the Sanctum, which is a game that is one of our uh, our favorites, but you play it somewhere else. And it's uh, a little bit different, set up different, looks different. So it's fun to see.
1: I definitely agree with you. I I tend to skew my favorites more towards the electrical and mechanical games just because it's like like you said it's more of a physical experience playing those. You you kind of feel like you're really playing the game more than you do with a lot of the newer games. Even though the newer games are cool, it it's definitely a different experience to play those.
2: Yeah.
0: So I'm I'm obviously a complete novice. I have no idea what I'm doing. But what separates the pros from everybody else? Like what is their skill set that they're mastering? to be the world's best pinball player
2: that's a really good question i mean sometimes i don't know i mean i watch people play and i think a lot of people know the games i i admittedly don't study a lot of the games i just you know i'm i'm more of a of a learner by doing so no i don't watch the you know i don't i I, watching videos is fun but it's it doesn't always for me it doesn't translate to how i play so i think part of it is Kind of knowing the rules, trying to trying to look at that again. I don't. I personally don't do that. I sh- probably should be better. It's it's why I'm not a very good uh, commentator because I uh, I never know what to say and um, <laughs> I don't always know the rules that I can just feel comfortable spouting out or guessing what people <laughs> are trying to go for with shots. But um, I think practicing definitely helps if you if you have the ability to have games locally and especially have a variety of local games that you can play. I mean, there's so many people who play at the Sanctum who when you get the state championships, you do have an opportunity to go to the, the national championships of the world just seeing, you know, seeing that level of, of people playing and I think a lot of it is practice and just uh, kind of your your mindset going into it and taking it seriously without taking it too seriously, you know, like taking it seriously that you want to play well, you want to win and and do what you need to do. But also, you know, at the end of the day, knowing that it's, it's a game and we're ultimately here to have a blast and, and hang out with people. Right. Yeah. I think that some of our um, best players
1: are also some of the like best sports that we have at the Sanctum.
2: Yeah, there's so many people and that's and that's part of it is like learning from these people and a, a, most I think a lot of good players that are that are around here are always happy to share tips or, you know, tell them, right. you know, just talk about what what they're doing and sometimes they don't even know. Sometimes they just yeah, I'm just playing and that's and that's their strategy in itself.
1: All right. Well, thank you, Kristen, for doing this. It's been a pleasure having you on. I'm glad that we could finally get someone from the pinball community on here because it's kind of been, you know, that was my first idea when we started this podcast.
2: But happy yeah. to be here and hope to see you both more and, uh, and playing with y'all.
0: Yeah. Same yeah. here.
2: You want to real quick plug the bells and chimes socials? Absolutely. So um, we are CT Bell. I think we're CT Bells on everything, actually. On Instagram, Facebook, working on a website eventually for the folks that are not on Facebook. But we have um, an email blast. So when people come out to tournaments, I always tell people to sign up for that. But CT Bells on Instagram is probably your best bet for all of our happenings. You'll get to see what tournaments are coming up and uh, what tournaments that we are going to in, in other places. So
0: And is that bells ending in ES?
2: Yes, it is CT
0: Awesome. Well, thank you again, Kirsten.
2: Yeah, thanks for having me. Bye.
0: Thanks again to Kirsten for joining us and discussing pinball with us. I've learned a lot. <laughs> Now's time for a couple upcoming events. What do you got, Sarah?
1: Um, I actually don't have any upcoming events this week. Besides that, you know, the rest of the year-end holidays are coming up. And I hope that you all... For those of you who celebrate it, have a good Christmas. I think that this episode will probably be out after Hanukkah's already over, but for those of you who celebrate it, I hope you had a good Hanukkah. And any other, you know, winter holidays that you may celebrate, I hope you enjoy them. And I hope you have a good New Year's, and we'll see you in the new year. And I just want to say I'm very thankful for everyone who has listened to our podcast so far. Um, I didn't think that I would actually ever start it. And... I guess here we are. We're doing it. Me and Connor did it this year. So thank you.
0: Yeah. Thank you to anyone who's supported us or listened in any way. Uh, It's been, it's been so much fun for us to interview some amazing people and learn a lot about this region that we love so dearly. And uh, yeah, this is, this is our last episode for the year. So we'll see you again in 2024. Woohoo! Woo.